Avalara proudly sponsors this podcast series about accountants by accountants and featuring some of the best thought leaders in the industry. Thank you to our sponsor, Avalara. Avalara's award-winning tax automation solutions help accounting practitioners and businesses of all sizes simplify sales tax compliance with real-time rates, automated returns filing, and more. Learn more at avalara.com. Hey everyone, this is Laura Lynn and you're listening to the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly Accounting Podcast. More accountants than ever are experimenting and shaping our profession in new and interesting ways. On this show, I sit down with these rock stars to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, the struggles, and the strategies that they're taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. Accountants can earn free CPE credit from listening to this podcast. Just download the Earmark CPE app in the App Store or visit EarmarkCPE.com. Hello, everyone. This is Lauralyn Wilson, and you are listening to another episode of the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly Accounting Podcast. Today's guest is Jeannie Whitehouse, and the title of today's episode is Back in Black, Advising for Profitability. If you can see it all my video, I have my ACDC shirt on. I mean, Producer Zach, are we going to get any copyright violations? <laughs> From, you're good. You're good. Don't worry. Okay, we're good, everyone. So back in black, ACDC. I'm taking all credit for these names. Now, do we have copyright issues? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Still not. good. Still good. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. So Jeannie Whitehouse, if you have been to any accounting conference within the past, how many years, Jeannie? How many? How long have you been speaking oh, at accounting? Too many. Way too, too many. Like twenty years, Laura. Okay. Before you were born. <laughs> If you have been to any accounting conference in the past 20 years, Jeannie has been either on stage keynoting it or she's had breakout sessions. So I'm sure you already all know who Jeannie is, but this is something you might not know. So I was like poking around her websites and because I was like, okay, I need some bio info and it's a little dry. I realized when I ask it for them. So I'm like, I want to make up my own Jeannie bio <laughs> in that discovery process. Uh, she has a book everyone. She has a book. It's on Amazon. And if you have um, Kindle Unlimited, it's actually free, but it's called How to Make a Boring Subject Interesting. Jeannie, tell us about that book a little bit. Because once I saw that, I was like, wait, what? Why, why haven't I heard of this? Well, you left out the second part of that title, which is 52 Ways Even a Nerd Can Be Heard. And the name <laughs> of my business is Even a Nerd Can Be Heard. And it came from the idea to write the book when I read another book called Even a Geek Can Speak. And I read oh. it. I loved it. I called the author who was an Atlanta attorney and said, I'm going to write this sequel to your book. And it's going to be called Even a Nerd Can Be Heard. Oh, I love that. he said, that. go for it. Um, and it really oh, so it was 10 years before I wrote the book. 10 uh -huh. years before I wrote the book, I had an idea. And then when I started my own business, I'd use that name. And then I figured out, I talked to somebody who said, you need to change the title and start with boring stuff and then bring in the nerd thing later. So. Because if you're a nerd, you don't know it. And if I'm being the nerd that I am, it's like, I'm not going to buy a book about nerdy stuff because I'm not a nerd, right? But I, have, I do have a boring subject, so it's not my fault. Yes, yes. Oh, so there's 50, it's 52 ways, right? 52 ways? 52 ways. One for each day of the, each week. One oh. tip for each week of the year. Nice. Okay, so could, then out of those 52, could you just give us like three main highlights from your book? Oh, I'm going to list all 52? Come no, on. No, no, just three. Just oh. give us three. 
I mean, we have as many hours as you want. Let's go through. Actually, we're going to do an audio reading of the book, everyone. <laughs> so. uh, that would violate my first tip. Give people stuff they don't care about. So one of my first tips is to adapt your presentation to fit. I mean, what is tip number 18? Adapt your presentation to fit the style of the listener. And that's one of the biggest things that I learned. When I first started speaking, I learned a methodology called DISC. It's about how people communicate differently. And one of the things we accounted to is communicate the way we like to hear stuff. And that is in a very detailed way. And most of our audience is not that way. So one of the things you need to do is figure out how to communicate best for the audience that you're talking to. So that's a pretty basic tip, but something most of us don't ever think about. Such a good tip. Such a good tip. Second thing, this is a biggie for us accountants. Don't talk about your F bars and your section 179s and your gap and your fantasies and your blah, 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 blah. That's jargon. Nobody else speaks that language. If you yep. want to be non-boring, stop using those, uh, those acronyms that only make sense to your fellow nerd community. And then the next tip I would say is tip number 14. And for counting is make it personal. And this is something that really changes the nature of the way you connect with an audience when you cannot just talk about concepts and theories and, and things that are not concrete, but when you can connect something that you've learned to something that reflects your own personality, it stands out better. And it also shows your audience that you're an actual human being, not a robot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Um, find a personal connection that you can make to whatever point you're trying to make. And then it has far greater value and is much more interesting generally. Yes. And I feel this ties so closely with your other kind of big program that you're, you have, you rolled out and you rolled it out a couple years ago. Is that correct? Rolled it out in the middle of COVID. I'm sitting there middle thinking I need to change. Stuff. Yep. Here's what I want to do. I want to start really getting in front of more advisors, get more people yes. trained. And it is the impactful advisor program. And then it says also mentor plus level five. So what does that mean? Explain that to me. So I have a business called The Impactful Advisor, and I try to create advisors who make a difference. And I use an online training program that was created by Mentor Plus, and that was a founder, Lee Osborne. And they package the training, and I have a license to use the training oh. and to teach it and to coach people in it. And it's the same training that I got and that I use in the CPA firm in Napa Valley where I'm an advisor myself. So this is something I'm using every day, and now I acquired the rights to teach, coach, and um, train people in how the toolkit can be used and applied. Yeah. And I, I I went to that website and I looked around. And to me, that's a very, uh, the price point is incredibly reasonable. Incredibly reasonable. I'm like, that's the cost of one business tax return right there that you could. Well, that's you know, the, yeah. Yeah. You could stop like doing a, a, bunch of, a bunch of work and make more money and do less work. Sorry. Yeah, talking over yes. you. Literally, that's how I calculate anything is how many business tax returns would I have to do <laughs> to this. <laughs> that's right. It should be. You do one, you recoup your investment in the training. And that's a, there's a DIY option where you just go online, you take all the training, you download over a hundred different tools and there are videos that walk you through each of the tools. And it's mm -hmm. how to do the service with the client. It's not theory about, you know, you should, you should, you should. It's okay. You accepted the fact that you need to be an advisor. What the heck do I do now when I'm sitting across from a client? And that's what I'm teaching people to do. It's yeah. the stuff that I think we need in order to be successful as advisors, a process we can follow and apply. Yeah. So then people who've gone through it, what have they said is like been the one thing or the tool that they use? What's been like kind of the game changer for them that they've learned from that program? 
Well, there's a couple of, I mean, there's a million different things, but the, the number one challenge that people have is confidence, which is surprising mm. to me. We're a technical, highly skilled group of people, but we don't have confidence when it comes to advisory, future-focused work, asking questions that we haven't asked before, getting more comfortable with the people side of businesses and really bringing everything together to drive the financial results. We're used to counting stuff and adding up stuff and balancing things. And in advisory, there isn't anything to reconcile back to. So what people come away with and what I've gotten, and I do um, I do some live streams where I have called advisory in real life, where I talk to people that have come through the training about why they did it and what they get. And it's it ultimately always comes back to confidence that I have processes I can rely on mm-hmm. to help my clients. And also, I don't have to be the expert. That's the biggest gift of the training. And what we teach people is, you don't have expertise in that client's business. They do. But you ah. have accounting expertise and you have insights and you have perspective that they need. And if you have the right questions to ask, you can empower that person to feel like more of an expert when they in fact really are. So our job is to not fly in with all the answers and tell them what to do, but to help them see things that they may not see on their own. Mm-hmm. And that relieves pressure that we have to, to have everything before we can even ask questions of clients. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really great standpoint or point because I've, I've been in situations where I've done financial forecasting. And it's like, I can tell they're sometimes looking at me, like I need to know these answers in regards to like their business model and certain expense yeah. revenue lines and stuff. And <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't run a bike shop. I'm like, I don't know this stuff. Like <laughs> you tell me. And so it's figuring out how to have that conversation. Yeah. And empower that client to know, wait, I do know this and just, you know, drawing it out of them. So we have some questions, some elements of this training. There's things like when, when a client comes to us as an accountant and says, you know, so-and-so Sally is a bad employee. Mm -hmm. And we ask them why or what's going on. And they say, well, she just doesn't do what I need her to do. One of the first questions we teach people to ask is, is it a people or a process issue? Mm Mm-hmm. And that kind of question is one of the core elements of what we believe that typically it's a process problem in a company. And we put Sally in a role and gave her a lousy process or no process. The part where we can add value is to go in and help them document the processes they have and then help them measure things along the way in that process that might be places for improvements to happen. So it's this whole sort of systemic way of looking at everything that goes on with a client and helping them move the needle forward in the direction of whatever their goal is for that company. Yes. Avalara helps businesses of all sizes get indirect tax compliance right. Their sales tax solutions help you manage sales and use tax complexities while lessening risk for your business and clients. Whether you're a small business or a global enterprise, Avalara can help you deliver tax compliance services confidently and efficiently. Over 30,000 organizations across the globe use Avalara's cloud-based compliance solutions to solve transaction tax compliance needs, including sales and use, VAT, and other direct and indirect taxes. Okay, so then kind of segueing a little bit, what does, so we're kind of discussing what advising mean, and then if we narrow it down a little more, specifically what does advising for profitability mean? So how do we speak in a way that clients can actually understand us when we're talking in terms of profitability, which is like, I would say, we're getting to the weeds a little bit, like we're done in the forest. Now we're kind of getting into the nitty gritty. 
So I want to back you up there first because yes. all clients are not focused on profitability. Some clients don't care about profitability. They only care about cash flow, which we know they're connected. But mm-hmm. the first thing we do is find out what is it you do care about? I mean, I've got clients yeah. who just want to make a lifestyle living and don't care about profit or bottom line or anything. I just want enough cash to cover my bills and I'm happy. So profitability and margins, things that we think matter, may not matter to them at all. I have a client that we tried to do some consulting with and asked them, you know, what do we need to do to help you achieve your goals? And they said, well, we don't really have a financial goal. We just wake up every day and decide if we want to keep doing this or not. And that was literally, (laughs) they didn't have a plan. They didn't have a financial. And I was like, well, okay, then you're doing exactly what you need to do and we don't need to change anything. But it was, Uh but it's really important to us and the way we look at this to find out what it is they're trying to accomplish. So that's where we start. And then for me, advising is, first of all, knowing where they're trying to go and then helping them move the needle forward in the direction of their dreams. That is what advising is about. Anything else, that's how I have a, I have a bright line, you know, cut off at that. If it's something that will help you achieve your dream and I can move the needle in the right direction, then that's advisory. And to me, tax planning is not that. Tax planning is helping minimize taxes, which may be part of an overall goal of, you know, having enough money to do some other things, but it's not necessarily by reducing my taxes, I am not making my business better. Yep. I'm making my expense side maybe, but I'm not necessarily moving forward. So to me, that's where the the line gets drawn. If I'm doing something that helps you work towards a goal, then I'm doing advisory service. I think that's a really great, easy to understand definition. So why are accountants traditionally so bad at that? Why do they not even think to ask those questions? First of all, I mean, you know, I'm a CPA. I was raised, uh, I started at Deloitte. I worked in corporate tax. I had a tax background, 15 years of accounting. If you ask me how to improve your cash flow, Laura Lynn, when I was a tax partner, I would have said, I don't know. <laughs> um, I didn't have any tools for that. I didn't know what to yeah. tell you. I didn't know how to even look at it that way. I could tell you that your taxes were this, and I could look at your financials and say you have bad a bad result, right? You have negative net income. <laughs> but if you ask me where to work to fix it, I yeah. didn't have, I didn't know. Uh-huh. And but and people never did ask me because they knew that we CPA types didn't really know how to help them run a business better. Mm-hmm. And so when I left the county to go into tech, I thought I could solve that with technology and, and clearly technology piece of us helping make businesses better. But I think the core problem is we don't know how to think this way because it's not how we're trained. Yep. We're trained in rule following and advisory is thinking more out of the box. It's not following a set series of things and checking boxes and things like that. It's really listening to the client. And then you can bring different tools to bear on whatever problem comes up, but it's not a black and white, here's the balance kind of a thing. And so we're not trained, but also we have a lot of fear in our own minds about asking different questions. And we're immersed in our subject matter so much that we think the way we speak is the way our clients speak, you know, all the terminology and the details that we like to share when in fact Mm -hmm. our clients are typically don't want details. Just give me the answer. And instead yeah. we tell them, you know, how to build the engine instead of, you know, just putting the oil in or whatever it is that they need. <laughs> we go through all this detail. Yep. And so we have, you know, we're not trained. Typically the people that come to accounting don't want to communicate, right? We're numbers people. We don't want to 
talk to these scary people. So the traditional talents that we used to draw into the profession did it because they didn't have to deal with people as much. Yeah. So it's a wiring thing, but it's a, we're in a complex space. So there's a lot of complex stuff that we deal with. And it requires training and investment and commitment, I think, to break down that complex stuff so that our our audience, our clients, our customers can understand what we're talking about. And most yeah. of us don't have that information or the time to do it. We're busy. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like what I'm hearing you say is the big disconnect comes to accountants not understanding what's important to the client. That's right. Not listening, not asking. Um, mm-hmm. and doing what, like what you said, I mean, like, I'm going to jump in there. If you bring me your financial, I'm going to jump in there and start working on your profitability before I ask you if that's what you care about. Cause I know mm-hmm. profitability is critical. Yeah. But it yeah. may not be in your case. Yes. Okay. So I thought it would be fun to kind of role play an example of how Eugene would interact with a client and kind of guide that conversation because it'll help accountants understand the type of questions you're asking at, you know, in response to the, the answers I'm giving you. And so I think this is going to be really beneficial to them. So I'm the new right. client. I'm coming to you. We're sitting down. Jeannie, I have no money. What do I do? <laughs> well, first of all, I have to evaluate if I want you as a client or not, Laura Lynn. If you can't Fair. pay me, then, you know. <laughs> but um, the first thing I would find out is what does, does that mean to you? What do you mean you don't have money? Is that your bank account? Is that your accounting software? What are you getting that information from that says you have no money? Yes. And I'm going to be a typical client who does bank balance accounting. So that just means I'm looking at my bank account and it's always low. So that's what I mean by I have no money. I'm going to my bank account to do stuff and there's none in there. Okay. I get that. And I'm sorry for that. But (laughs) We'd also want to find out what kind of a business you're in. And and the method that we used, um, Orlin, what I do is I understand that you have an issue that you're focused on, and that's a financial one. But what we understand as advisors is that many financial issues are caused by other things in the business. And so what we want to do, what I want to understand first before I dive into that, much as I would love to get out my spreadsheet and start doing stuff, I want to find out more about about your business and what's really going on there and what you're really trying to accomplish. So then I can figure out how we go about working on the cash flow problem that you shared with me. So what we do is start with the five areas of your business, and that would be the financial aspects, mm-hmm. the customers, operations, people. And then the, the most critical one to me is the end in mind. Where are you trying to go with your business? What's this business about? Why did you start it? And where do you want to go with it? Do you want to sell it? Do you want to create a family legacy? Do you want to go public? Do you just want to have a lifestyle? What is it you're trying to do with that business? Because that's going to determine everything else that we need to do for you in order to support you in achieving that goal. So what would you say you're trying to do? So I own a restaurant business and I've owned it for the past nine years. And uh, I just, you know, started it with a loan from my mother And since then, I've grown it to include a food cart. I'm at the Saturday market, and I have seven employees working for me. And my end goal with this is I'd like to open up another location and become passive in the business so I don't have to actively be working in it every day. Okay. And that's a and that's a great objective. And that really helps me because that means we need to structure some things so that you can get out of the weeds of running that business and empower your teams to help you more. 
so that's great information and I appreciate that. But tell me why a restaurant? What is it about that industry that attracts you to the business? Because that's another critical thing for us to understand is why mm -hmm. are you doing what you're doing? Yep. I just love making tasty foods. I love making tasty foods for people, nourishing people, taking care of them in that way. So it's really a, a passion. I love cooking and I wanted to turn that passion into money. That's fantastic. Great. And I can't wait to go try your food. That's one of the first things I would do is go, go <laughs> sample the wares. I got to go see what you got going on. Do you happen to have grits? If so, I'm a customer for life. It's so, a, it's um, a purely grit restaurant. So that's it. That's my restaurant. <laughs> all grits all the time. <laughs> all right. Heaven on earth then. I'll bring the wine. You bring the grits. Okay. <laughs> So with that understanding and that you're trying to get yourself disconnected, but still generate some, some funds out of the business, you wanted to be at least positive on, on the cash flow side. Then let's talk about some of the things that you've done that you're proud of. What things have worked in the financial customers, operations, people, and end in mind side of the business? Are you on track or what are you celebrating that you've done correctly? And you don't have to share all that right now. So I'm, I have a little grid I'm going to send you. And I'm going to want you to fill this out and think about it. If it's just you that's involved in some of the management of the business, then you can do it yourself. But if you've got a team of leaders, you can mm -hmm. take a copy of this document and have them fill it out as well. And it's just, as I said, it's five areas of the business, but it's what works. We want to celebrate the good stuff that we've done right. And then what's not working well or what we'd like to improve, that's the next row. And then the final row is your ideal outcome in each of those areas. So what is it ideally you want on the financial side? How much positive cash flow? Would you like to see in the business mm -hmm. or you're trying to have more profit or do you want to increase your long-term value so you can sell it? Or what's the, the financial thing we're striving for? It sounds like more cash, but what does that mean? How much more cash? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that would be the thing for to get clear on. And, and obviously, since we've just met, you haven't had time to really think through it, but I'm going to give you this document to complete. You can send it back to me or we can complete it together in an interview online so that you have time to, to fill what you're trying to do. Okay. And then once you send that back to me, or once I transcribe it, if you want to do it now, I'll send it back to you. You can validate that I captured what you wanted to share with me. Then we'll talk about what priorities jump out at you based on what you've shared with me. What do you want to do first? Mm -hmm. And then I'll give you some ideas about things that we can do to help uncover what's really driving that symptom. One of the things we've learned, Orland, is that a financial problem is typically just a small indicator of something else going on in the business. It may be people related, it may be operational or software related. It may be customer decision-making or pricing or something like that. Or it may be something else that's going on in the financial side of the business, like a failure to collect for some of the stuff that you sell. Now, if you're at a retail facility, a restaurant, most of your cash is coming in in the moment. So you're probably not doing a lot of billing of people. Mm -hmm. And so we look at what you're doing on the items that you're selling and if you're making enough money on those individual meals or food yeah. items that you're selling. But until you give me this, this bigger picture framework, I'm not going to jump in there and tell you what to do because you're the expert in your business. I'm good at helping you data, organize it and get the insights from that data so you can make better decisions going forward. And that's how we can help you address whatever issue you're struggling with. Okay. So then let's say for this example that we've realized the issue is, because this is so common I've seen with restaurants, is yeah. my margins 
on my items aren't big enough. So I don't, my gross margins way too small. So let's say in this example, this is what we determined what the issue was. What are next steps? Yep. So generally what we find is they're, they're, if, if your pricing and margins are the challenges that you're working on, then one of the things we have to do is identify what you're making on each item mm -hmm. and then look at the frequency of sales of different items and then educate your teams on where you have the most profit and try to get them to come up with ideas that can help you sell more of those profitable items. So one of the things we want to do is take the burden of addressing the challenges off of your plate solely and spread the knowledge across your team so that everybody in your company understands what you're trying to accomplish and how they can help you get there. So we have models that we built. We have a tool called a Profit Equation Planner, which helps individual frontline workers connect their decisions they make every day to your revenue and profitability target. So we would look at creating something like that. So one of the things we know is sometimes you can just change the mix of products that you're selling and drive your overall profitability up. So we would do some models like that so that your team could go, okay, if I can throw in a dessert with every sale and we make more profit on the dessert items, then that's how we move the needle on overall profitability. But I've got to educate you and your teams on how these things all fit together to drive financial results. And that's where we see a lot of the, the challenges. We have uneducated people who don't understand financial stuff, which is 99% of the world, right? Because it's all yeah. nerdy and we make it hard. <laughs> and if we can break down those barriers and teach people some basic things, then they will be empowered to help you achieve your financial goals. Yeah. Did you know that 52% of accounting practitioners, large and small, still rely on spreadsheets and manual processes for sales tax compliance? Why not move your accounting practice to the 21st century using Avalara for Accountants? The Avalara for Accountants automation platform helps accounting service providers of any size grow their service offerings with sales tax prep and filing, transfer pricing, research, business license management, and more. Scale your practice efficiently with award-winning automation that brings efficiency and accuracy to sales tax compliance. Want to learn more? Email accountants at avalara.com or visit avalara.com. So when you when you do these, this engagement, like you're in this process of it, all right, we're like figuring out what's profitable, what's not training up the team members. How long does that process usually take? Are you connecting with them weekly, bi-weekly, monthly? It is, it is totally dependent on what we're trying to do with the client and what their availability is. Mm. So okay. what I do initially is an initial assessment project in most cases to figure out what you've got and what you need. I got to look at your, what are your software systems? How are you moving funds through the business? What are you doing to track? And I would do a, a needs analysis of, of the overall business stuff first. Mm -hmm. And then make recommendations from that and then decide what we want to tackle first and then set up a fee for that and only bill by the project initially. And then if you want ongoing support for me, then we would set up some sort of a monthly retainer or project based fee. It, it totally depends on, you know, what you want to do and how critical it is for you to get that issue addressed and how quickly. Okay. So that's interesting. So do you do, are most of your engagements just kind of these one-off projects or do they turn into monthly engagements? It's all over the map. Again, mm -hmm. we are driven by what the customer not needs. So that's one of the things that makes it hard, right? Mm. I just want you to give me a checklist and tell me what I'm going to do every month or what I'm going to do. It's not that way. Advisory is what do you need client and how can I help you get there? And, uh, and 
within your own budgetary requirements, as well as your availability of staff, right? I've got to, you've got to have time for me to get in there. I don't want to, you know, have a weekly meeting and shut down the restaurant. Yeah. So we have to work around whatever the framework is. Again, that's why this is scary because I can't just tell you you're going to do this first, then that, and then that. Because if the client wants this thing first, then that's where we need to go. And But you're going to have tools that you can bring to bear on anything that that client comes up with because it's, we've been training people and doing this ourselves for so long that we know what's going to come up in most cases. Yeah. So that's where you have the confidence that if you can pull something out of your toolkit and use it, and make a difference, you're not going to be afraid to, to walk this path with your client. Uh-huh. Do you feel like that model lends itself to scalability or not? Like, can you grow this huge, I don't know, $50 million firm with that model? Or do you think it's more boutique? You can do it a lot easier this way than you can do in tax returns. If <laughs> I, can take, <laughs> I can take 10 clients and really serve them to move the needle on their business. Do you know what that means to a client? If I can help Seriously. them. If, you, you had no money, Laura Lynn. If yeah. I can show you how to get more money in the bank yeah, and train your teams to make it possible and get you to set up systems and processes so that you don't have to be there every day. Mm-hmm. Are you going to pay me a lot more or do you want me to just do your taxes? Right. I'm going to pay you all. I'm going to give you my whole bank account, all $3 of it, Jeannie. Exactly. I got to I gotta make sure if I'm taking you on that I can get you the cash flow quickly, right? That's one of the things I'm going to do, right? We're going to take your QuickBooks file. I'm going to look at it and go, is she going to be able to afford me? Yep. What is she saying? Where's the money going? But I'm going to do that analysis and I'm going to take money up front for that analysis. Oh, yes. If you tell me yes. you don't cash, you're going to be able to fund me before I'll take it on. And then I'll write up an analysis and make recommendations. And then if I'm going to do something ongoing, I'll give you a price for that after that. But typically it's a, I'm going to phase it so that I don't commit to a fixed fee without knowing what's going on. And so I phase the the project. This is going to be a fixed fee. And then after that, we'll decide what the next step is based on what I see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know this cash flow thing is a priority. So there are three or four things I can do right off the bat to show you where the problems are. And then we can get your team thinking about it differently and and start doing some things differently very quickly. Yeah. So, so as part of, I, I didn't pick this part up. As part of this, like, you do this initial assessment, are you giving them an actual deliverable? Like, these are all the problems you have. Like, is that part of it? Well, the first first meeting, the scope grid, is what that's what we call the thing where I go across the business, is a deliverable that you get free. I give this mm. you this tool, you complete it, and there's value in that. Because you've never looked at your business this way and defined some of your goals and ideal outcome. And so mm-hmm. that's something you can use yourself and also share with your teams to get input. So you get that from the first meeting. And then the next thing I would propose is I'm going to do a needs analysis. I'm going to look at the flow of your information, the money through your business, document it for you and show you some things and make recommendations about the, the technology that you have employed to make sure that we're getting it all in the right places. And that's a fixed fee. And you get a, right, you get a document from me that says, here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. So these tools then, you're giving them and working with, are these all part of the Impactful Advisor program? They are. They're part of the level five training and there are a hundred yes. tools in there. Yes. They keep their spreadsheet there. There's a tool, the Profit Equation Planner. It's a what if model that you get that you can build for any kind of company to help them figure out how to drive revenues up. I have a checklist of other things you can do using Fathom's goal seek skills. Fathom mm. is an electronic dashboard. It's one mm-hmm. of the critical tools in, in what I use. 
you bring up the client's data and you show them, here's your cash flow is negative 500,000, move the needle on these three things and it gets to positive 100. And let's work on these three things. I know how to help you do that and we can get your cash flow improved. Not, that's um, and then I have decks, software PowerPoint slide decks that teach you how to communicate financial information in a very different way. There's all that stuff. That's what we're training people to do. You've got everything you need. You just have to get in front of a client and ask different questions and the toolkit will get you there and oh, the client. That's awesome. Do you have any good stories of like a client whose life, let's say you changed, you know, with this framework that you use with them? Um, I can tell you how the projects flow. Somebody comes to us, you know, with a problem. Like I had a, I had a client call and say they wanted a budget and it was a family winery. And I said, okay. And I went out there to meet with them and all the family members, I think there were five family members at the table. And I said, okay, what are we budgeting for? What are we doing? Why do we exist as a company? And what are we what's this budget about, right? I mean, normally we would just jump in and start building a spreadsheet and create a budget. Yep. Uh, yep. Yes. That's what we, that's what accountants like to do. Give me a spreadsheet. Let me yeah, put things in it. Exactly. <laughs> that's our, that's normally our goal. How fast can I get into a spreadsheet and do the fun stuff, right? Cause well, I mean, who doesn't love Excel? We can do anything mm -hmm. in Excel, but, but what I know is, I mean, okay. First I said, why are we a winery? And I had five family members at the table and I got five different, different answers. answers. <laughs> I got five different priorities and yet I'm going to do a budget with five different, uh, no agreement on what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, well, I can do a budget, but it's going to be very difficult because I don't, you guys aren't in agreement about who we are as a company and what we want to do. So there were some former generational people and new generation and they, they needed to come to agreement. So I said, we got to back up. Let's get alignment around why we exist as a winery. Let's figure out what we need to do. And then we can build the budget on that. And I, and mm -hmm. I showed them the scope of stuff, but, we backed it up and we had a meeting to determine the why we had disagreement, but we came up with a story that, that connected to why these people were so committed to doing what they did. And it always gets back to in the wine industry, a love of the land and wanting to produce something that is then shareable and can be part of celebration. So it's some aspect of that that tends to come out. People put up with a lot in industry because they care about what, and most people have a passion story that drives them. So we got that, yeah. we got alignment, but it ended up that one of the family members just didn't fit. Oh, it came very clear. And so as a result of that, that family member went out, they hired a GM, which they needed a non-family member to run the business. Uh huh. And that came out of all the consulting that we did. And we kept having additional meetings and that happened. And then that person could then do the budget. Once she knew exactly what we were trying to do, mm -hmm. it, the budget. I didn't even do the budget after that. We didn't need to, but what we needed was this alignment around where we were trying to go. Yeah. And that leads to the budget. Those are the kind of things we do a whole bunch of. We really want to make sure we're putting a bandaid on a thing when there's a much bigger disease going on in that whole system. We want yeah. to look for, but we really want to understand what they want so we can get them there. That's really yeah. the, the goal. On any and given of these fun. engagements, how many team members yeah. are working on it? Like, is it usually one or two? Is it just one? Like, how do how do you structure that? On our side, um, it yeah. depends on the engagement. Most of the time, it starts with one person. Um, and in my firm, I'm doing just advisory. So I'm in a unique position that I don't have compliance work mm -hmm. that keeps me busy around. And so I bring in other people to work with the engagements. We have a managing partner doing consulting. It tends to be one person driven. 
but depending on what else is going on, we bring in other team members. But mm-hmm. one of the benefits of this training is you can bring in other staff members and use one of the tools in the toolkit and get mm-hmm. them going that way. And we bring in people on the initial onboarding interview, if somebody, yeah. a prospective client, so they see how the scope grid works. Mm-hmm. But we also use that ourselves in our firm. So everybody in our firm is familiar with that document and, and how it works. So it's just a standard part of how we think as a firm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, part of the reason why I was asking, because I feel like where this program, the, I mean, it benefits everyone, but especially those solo practitioners who are weighed down with compliance work and have a bunch of potential clients who could use advisory services, but they're just like, I don't, I don't know. How do I start this? So then that's like actually a good segue. So how would I, let's say I only had tax clients and I want to get into advising. I don't yet have any money for your program, but I want to buy it. So what are some free ways or how could I start presenting myself as an advisor to my current client base to get them to start buying those services so then I can run off and buy your program? (laughs) First of all, I would start, we have not ever had a better time than now to start doing advisory because we've had the the COVID chaos we have recessionary concerns right now. We're we're in the last yep. phase of the year, right? We're in the downhill side of, of the year end. We're approaching year end. So now is the perfect time to call an existing business client and say, I want to check in and see how you're doing. I want to understand more clearly what you're trying to accomplish as a, as a business and see if you're on track for this year. What are your goals and how are you feeling about where you are and what keeps you up at night? Yes. I would open a dialogue with the client, every single client that I have right now, whether you're doing tax audit or anything, bookkeeping. Oh, yes. And make that phone call now because we're, it's not our busiest time of year, even though it's the beginning of the month. If you're doing bookkeeping, it's busy every bit, every month. And tax, <laughs> tax 15ths are always busy. But this is a time to reach out and show that you're looking to connect with them without asking them for stuff, right? We're going to make a phone call to every single client. And just check in and see how they're doing. What are you worried about? The question that I like to ask is, how do you know right now if your business is on track? Where do you go? If I asked you today, are you doing well or not, where would you go right now to check in on your business? Mm -hmm. That question tells you a lot about what that owner cares about. And if they say, I go to the bank, then you know, bank cash, not book cash, is what they're managing, which means they're not planning ahead and they're really in a bind probably from a managerial perspective. Or if they say I go to QuickBooks every day, then they're pretty savvy if they're looking at that. Or I'm looking at my point of sale software to see what I sold every day, which isn't even looking at profit. Mm-hmm. So just looking at gross. Just asking some feeling questions are going to open the door. And then what they answer is going to give you some insight about where you might be able to help them. Yep. Maybe they're struggling with their software. Maybe their bills are getting paid too slowly. Those of us that know technology got a billion ways to help make that better. So, but it's the dialogue that has to happen that we're not having. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's going to chip the way you're seen in the eyes of that client because our clients have been trained by us that mm-hmm. we only do X, whatever X is, if it's tax, if it's bookkeeping, if it's audit and nothing else. And so we've got to open the door with conversations to change that perception. That's the easiest thing to do. Yes. And I give away the scope grid. I give away tools every time I speak. We're going to share a scope grid. Pull that tool out and say, I'm going to walk you through this document. You're going to help me fill in all these squares on this bingo card. It's what it looks like. And then I'll give it back to you. And then this can help you get clarity around what you need to be working on in your business. Mm, and that, for free. 
Gosh, that's fantastic. One of like, I put little notes to freeways, you know, we can do this. And if you guys have a newsletter at all, you send out to your clients, start putting in little video clips of you doing a two minute video with one of Jeannie's PowerPoint presentations about, Hey, you want to see where you are in your business right now? Want to talk more about this? Here's a link to my calendar. I have a slide deck on slideshare.net called Understanding Financial Statements that you can just access and share. And it just gives info on what a financial statement means. And it uses a dumb old tree analogy because I like to use dumb old stuff. Producer Zach is going to put these in the show notes, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Understanding Financial Statements. It's on slideshare.net. Yeah. And it has like 100,000 downloads, and that shows you that there are 100,000 people somewhere looking for this stuff, which is yes. unbelievable. Yes. That's what a, a challenge it is for normal humans to understand this stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and I think, too, it's like it, if you guys want to get into this, it's not that hard. Like Jeannie said, just pick up your phone and talk to your current clients. You know, if even if you have only convert 10% of them, that's a start, you know. And then, of course, as you get more under your belt... You're going to get more and more confident. You're going to get be able to sell it better, et cetera, et cetera. But it doesn't take, I feel like the actual knowledge you need, the technical knowledge is there. You just need you to learn it. like the, the EQ side of it, right? You just need the confidence to ask different mm-hmm. questions. And you need to know what to do when they answer those questions. Though. That's the thing, Laurelyn. <laughs> I'm going to ask questions. And yeah. you're going to go, I'm worried about um, this. I need a forecast and a projection. You go, that's nice. Bye. <laughs> I mean, you've got to, <laughs> or my people aren't doing what I want them to do. Or, you know, they ask me too many questions or I can't ever go on vacation. Those are all indications that you need to s- help them systematize and standardize their procedures and processes. They may mm-hmm. not have a budget. They may not have trained their leaders in what they can do to contribute to financial success. There's all kinds of stuff that we can do, but you've got to have something to do when you start asking these questions, right? What are you going to do when they say, I can't get my leaders to do the right things? And you're going to go, uh, okay. (laughs) Good luck with that. Thumbs up. (laughs) And I'll check back next year and ask you this question again, which is what we do with the financial statements, right? Here's your, here's your financial. Go forth. Too bad. It's not good. I'll see you next year. Hope it's better. Yeah, prayers. (laughs) Your best wish is exactly what we do. And so that's why the toolkit's here. So go to this thing, bring up this document. Based on that scope grid now, we prioritize what they want to do based on their ideal outcomes. Say, which one of these is the most important? Okay, what can we do to start in on this? I've got some ideas for you. Mm -hmm. Let's convene and find out what they think is going on. Compare their scope grid to yours. And then let's drill into what we need to do to get your teams moving in the right direction. Yeah. And I just, I want to hark on that. Like there is no one better position to be that person than accountants. Like there's life coaches out there crushing it. I promise you know more than these life coaches and can actually tangibly help these people with more than just like a rah-rah speech. (laughs) You know, That's really, that's why I did this because I know how valuable good accountants are. I was a bad accountant, y'all. I was a bad I mean, I, I was so bad at detail. I was doing taxes and I was struggling. And I had these accountants around me that were amazing. It had these great insights that knew tax law that were way more detailed and did great stuff. I mean, I did great stuff when it came to the technology. I could sit down with a client and help them make sense of the books through their software, which is really mm-hmm. where I shine. I was a tax person, so I had to go back at night and do the tax stuff. 
But I have such an appreciation for what we do as a profession. Good accountants are amazing, but we don't value ourselves. And we also overburden ourselves with all this low value crap that just wears us out. So I started speaking because of my own passion for us getting recognized for what we can do. And because I have a passion for clients who are struggling without our help, we've got to get out there and try to make life better for these people because they're powering the world. These small business people are paying the salaries of so many families. If we can help them, then we can change the world, in my belief. I think we really are the key. The accounting community powers the economic engine. So mm-hmm. if we can get out there and really do better about helping these people, we're going to have a big, big impact. Mm-hmm. So so I got on my soapbox. Yes. No, it's great though. So if you think, so here's my question. If accountants were more like X, so pick like people within some type of industry, we would be better at our job, happier with our work. What people and what industry do we need to be more like to really fulfill our potential? I think we got it. I don't think we need to change who we are. I just think we need to be more confident in ourselves. So who's Mm -hmm. somebody more confident? I'll say the S word and and freak out the accountants. I think if we could be more like salespeople. Yeah. (laughs) I was wondering what S word you were going to say. (laughs) The S word, the salespeople, not sex stars or whatever you were thinking of. (laughs) That other S. But S, the the sales word is like a bad word in our our vocabulary, right? It's like a four-letter word, even Mm -hmm. though it's five letters. Because we don't like, when we think of sales, we think of the bad ones, the used car salesmen. But salespeople that are good, are great listeners, and they have confidence. And our biggest barrier being good at consulting is we don't trust ourselves enough to, to see what we can do that has real value. We think we have to know everything to even start, and we don't. We just have to know how to listen, which we are mm-hmm. great at. We know, need to know how to ask different questions, and we need to know how to organize information in a way that the insights can become apparent to our clients. And that's the big opportunity. We have as a profession. We can be the inside people that yeah. help our clients make better decisions. And that's where we need to be in order to, I think, make a big difference. Yeah. And really get the value that we deserve. Yeah. Well, it, here's a better S word for you. Instead of being a salesperson, you are a solutions person. So that's what you're really that's offering. Right. We're offering solutions that's right. to problems they that's have, right. whether they know it or not. <laughs> that's right. But, but, the important twist on that is we aren't supposed to have the solutions. We're supposed to ask the questions like a therapist, Laura Land. They don't come in and say, "Divorce the jerk. What are you doing? Then, that idiot. They make you come to that re- conclusion yourself. By That's yourself. what we're doing with clients. Mm. Them feel smarter and giving them the data to back up stuff that they really already know. Mm-hmm. So we're helping them find the answers, helping the frontline workers come up with the answers. And that's very different from imposing solutions on people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a, I really like up. that, that twist and that way of looking at things. I think that's really important because I think it's important. People feel involved in the process too. You that's know, right. they're going to buy in if they're it. like, this was my idea, which it, it is essentially, you're just helping draw it out, you know? That's right. So that's right. Awesome. Okay. So Jeannie, if people want to connect for you, where do they find the impactful advisor program? What's the best way to do this? It's online, theimpactfuladvisor.com. You can find me. I have a geniewhitehouse.com website under my name. I have evenanerd.com. That's my speaking brand. Um, you can just look me up somewhere and find me. On the <laughs> uh, web, are there Jeannie any conferences coming up that you'll be speaking at? 
Um, I'm going to be at, hmm, that's a good question. I'm going to be... Are you at ZeroCon? I'm not this at week. ZeroCon. No, never mind. This is will be released after ZeroCon. Ignore that question. Quick <laughs> Connect, I'm hoping to be there. Yes, which is that sure first weekend in, Ve- in Vegas, first weekend in December in Vegas. Right. Awesome. That's and what's your Twitter? What's your Twitter handle again? At even a nerd. At even a nerd. Jeannie, thank you so much for coming on. I'm gonna go back and listen to this episode again because I think I just I think you really nail and understand the business owner, and that's what every accountant I think needs to get better at, including myself. So just thank you so much for your thoughts, your expertise around this, and. 100% 100% everyone go check out the impactful advisor like I am I will 100% be buying this once I do one more business return <laughs> all right one more business return Deal. Awesome. thank you so much it's been a pleasure <laughs> thank you